Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. What memorial stones do you have? What sacred memories do you have that you go back to time and time again? Twelve stones were taken out of the Jordan. They were placed in Gilgal. Gilgal was the camp that the Israelites would come back to again and again as they were involved in the war campaigns throughout the land of Canaan. When they would come back to Gilgal, they would see these stones and they would remind them that God stopped the Jordan. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet How do we memorialize those past events that are important in our lives? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, just as the Israelites memorialized how God led them across the Jordan River supernaturally with a stone altar, we should put into place ways to remember and honor the promises of God. It may not necessarily be a physical place or item, but rather a symbolic experience such as journaling or quiet time that allows us to praise and honor God for His faithfulness towards us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you are to stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off from before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When he crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be memorial to the people of Israel forever. Dropping down to verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal, on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. All of us have sacred memories, memories that are precious to us. 
It was St. Basil who said, memory is the cabinet of the imagination, the treasury of reason, the registry of the conscience, and the council chamber of thought. Our memories can strengthen and help and guide us in the present and strengthen us for the future. God spoke to the children of Israel. And he said to them, I want you to set up a memorial. Stones that will be to you sacred memories. I have a sacred memory that I'd like to share with you. It involves this shepherd's staff. I remember when I was installed as pastor of Faith Assembly of God. One of our deacons was praying. He said, Lord, wouldn't it be good if we could have a shepherd's staff and we could hand Pastor Jones the shepherd's staff as a symbol of his appointment as the minister, the pastor, the shepherd of Faith Assembly. And as I was preparing to leave Wilmington, Susie gave me a gift. She said, I believe that this characterized your ministry here and I want to give it to you as you take your new charge on at Faith Assembly of God. And so she gave me that shepherd's staff, and I could still remember that Sunday morning when Brother Adur came and spoke, and Brother Dan Cephas, almost as it were with a sacred dance, walked up to me as I stood in front of the communion table and handed me the shepherd's staff. I keep this staff in my office. I often look at it and remember God's appointment as the shepherd and the pastor of Faith Assembly. And it encourages me as I remember the Lord's given me the task of leading the church. And I'll sometimes go throughout the building and pray with the shepherd's staff in my hand, praying for our congregation. Maybe there's a sacred memory that you have, something that God gave you. I want to read the words of John Huffman. He said, memories are important. They are the soil of our present experiences into which our roots sink deeply and from which we receive nourishment. The superstructure of our lives are built upon the foundation of our memories. We are instructed by our memories as to the most creative way to live in this present and they help equip us with a positive hope for the future. What memorial stones do you have? What sacred memories do you have that you go back to time and time again? Twelve stones were taken out of the Jordan. They were placed in Gilgal. Gilgal was the camp that the Israelites would come back to again and again as they were involved in the war campaigns throughout the land of Canaan. When they would come back to Gilgal, they would see these stones and they would remind them that God stopped the Jordan and they crossed over supernaturally and God led them into the land that they were in and they were to go forward remembering that God was with them. God has given us, I believe, a calling to place memorial stones in our life. No, not necessarily literal stones. And I'd like this morning to talk to you about the purpose of memorials in our lives. 
In Joshua 4, 5, it reads, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Now, these memorial stones were not to be just kept in a historical society of Israel. They were not meant to just be kept in the archives. But everyone in the nation was to participate. The young, the old, husbands and wives and children. And they were to set these stones up as a remembrance of what God did in their lives. The whole community was to participate. I believe they were a celebration of God's faithfulness. A celebration of God's faithfulness. In Joshua 4, 7 it reads, then you can tell them, remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. God wanted them to have positive memories. He wanted them to have positive remembrances. He could have said to them, Set up these stones and remember the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Remember all the years wasted. He didn't say that. He said, these stones are to commemorate my hand stopping the Jordan River from flowing and guiding you across. The enemy of your soul will sneak into your heart and conscience and mind and he'll try to get you to set up memorial stones, but not God's type of memorial stones. I've seen people again and again set up memorials that destroy them spiritually rather than help them. They're stones of anger, stones of resentment, stones of bitterness, stones of disappointment, and they erect these memorials that locked them into defeat, that locked them in the past. God does not want you to set up a memorial like that. He wants us to set up a memorial that is celebration, celebrating God's victory in our life. Now, one Christian woman who lived a very loose life, who was in the barroom scene for years, very promiscuous, was marvelously saved. And she was troubled by those memories of the past. She feared that somehow God would punish her now and punish her husband and punish her family. She should have remembered that it's all under the blood of Jesus. She should have remembered Micah 7.19. What happens to our sins? They're at the bottom of the deepest sea. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. See, there are some things that we need to forget. And those things which speak of failure and defeat are not to be harbored in our hearts. Because God has wiped the record clean. We sing, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. See, our celebration is that God delivered us from that. We don't have to be troubled by that. So if your past is such that the enemy brings it again and again, just remind him of his future. 
And remember that God wants you to set up a memorial of victory. Someone has said, it was actually the Chicago Tribune who said, people need to appreciate that the past cannot be undone, but it must be gotten over. Hear that. It can't be undone, but it must be gotten over. When people are in a baseball game or a football or soccer and they make a mistake in athletics, their teammates usually gather around them and say, shake it off because they know if that keeps lingering in their mind, it will affect the performance of the rest of the game. And we need to sometimes say to believers, shake it off. Let the blood of Jesus cover it. Think about this Jordan as it parted. They're standing on the other side. The ark now comes out. And immediately when the ark comes out of the Jordan, the river again rushes down the riverbed. It fills up to the flood stage level. And it's almost like, I can't believe we were on the other side. And we came through. Have you ever looked back and said, I can't believe I did that. That was B.C., before Christ came into our lives. The ability to be able to recognize God wants us to celebrate his interventions in our lives, the victories that he has wrought in our lives. Not only is it something that we celebrate, it's something we commemorate. In Psalm 77, verse 11, it says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember miracles of long ago. When he talks about remembering, he's talking about doing it with affection, doing it with emotion, having dear, precious memories, as it were. Sometimes God's people have spiritual amnesia. You know, our memory contains our autobiography, who we are, what we are, and so much of our life is wrapped up in our memories. To lose that is to lose our identity. Listen to the counsel that God gave to his people. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 14 says, then your heart will become proud. You'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand produce this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant with you. See, we need to remember and not to have spiritual amnesia. I read about a couple, an older couple, husband and wife. They went to the doctor. They were having problems remembering things. And so the doctor said, listen, just write it down. And so this couple in their 80s went home, and they said, well, we're going to write it down. Well, they were sitting watching TV one night, and the wife said to her husband, he was getting up, uh, would you mind getting me some ice cream? He said, sure, I'll do that. And she said, you know, I think I would like some chocolate on that. You better write it down. No, 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 I'll remember, don't worry. And then she thought of another, you know, whipped cream on top of the chocolate. Uh, you need to write that down. And he got a little upset. He said, listen, I can remember it. Ice cream, chocolate, whipped cream. Well, 20 minutes later, he comes back. And he gives his wife a plate. It's bacon and eggs. 
And she said, I knew you should have wrote it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> well, we need to try and remember and make sure we don't have spiritual amnesia. You know, this husband went in to see the Christian counselor. And the Christian counselor advised the husband. He says, listen, forget about your mistakes. It's not necessary that two people have to remember them. You and your wife, she'll remember it for you. Well, we need to be able to learn to forget certain things. But there are some things that we shouldn't forget. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. One day a policeman was going past a sort of a, a downtrodden part of the town. He saw a man acting very strange. And he went over and tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Sir, are you having a problem? What are you doing? He said, Oh, no. It's just that I was saved here in this mission. And every time I come past this part of town, I stop and I pray. Do you have a place that you remember where God met you? Maybe it was at these altars. I remember going back again and again to different places where God met with me. I especially would like to go back to my old home church in Brooklyn, New York, where I was saved as a 17-year-old boy. Now, that church moved its location to a new location. But in the old building, a Korean congregation had purchased it. And I remember knocking on the door, waiting outside, because I just wanted to go in the church, and I just wanted to kneel at the altar and remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. There ought to be sacred memories that we go back to again and again. Perhaps you'll journal it down. You'll remember that time where God met you. He answered your prayers. See, God was telling the people of Israel something very important. Erect these stones. And every time you pass, you'll remember what I did for you. It'll keep you from spiritual amnesia. It'll keep you from forgetting. God calls us to remember. What's the proclamation of these memorials in our lives? The purpose we looked at. The celebration of God's faithfulness. We looked at the commemoration of God's faithfulness. And now, the proclamation of the memorials in our lives. In 1 Peter 2.5, it reads... You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What Peter is saying is we're all a part of the body of Christ. And he's using this analogy of stones. We're being built up. And we all have an integral part. But I believe he was perhaps also making an allusion to these standing stones that are found throughout the Holy Land. If you were to visit Israel, you would see these standing stones. And they were monuments, testimonies to what God had done. When the children would come past and they would look at these stones, they would say, what does that mean? And then they would begin relating the story of what God did. See, they speak to our generation. In Joshua 4, 23 to 24, it reads, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until 
we had crossed over. I've heard people say that the Israelites, when they left Egypt, crossed what they called the Reed Sea. And it was only shallow. There's two questions I have. One, how did all those Egyptians drown in that? And second is, Joshua was speaking about the Jordan at flood stage, high. And it says, just like he opened the Jordan, he did the Red Sea. Liberals want to take the miraculous out of Scripture. Leave it there. Because we serve a God of the miraculous. We serve a God of miracles. Amen. In chapter 3, in chapter 4, again and again, you see the reference to the covenant of the ark of the Lord. It spoke of his presence. As soon as the ark went into the Jordan, as soon as the priests put their feet in, immediately the water stopped like a wall. It was heaped up. Could you imagine what that looked like? And they began to walk, and they went into the middle of the Jordan, and the water was held up a distance down, and the people just marched over. I could picture the Canaanites looking and saying, their God is the true God. Because this time of year, the water was at its highest, and Baal, which the Canaanites worshipped, was the God of the river. He was the God that the Canaanites worshipped, the God who was supposed to control the elements. God was saying, bring your best out. I'll defeat it. Because God is the true God and the only God. See, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstances are like, God is greater than those circumstances. He's greater than those difficulties. He's greater than those impossibilities. He is God all by himself. Hallelujah. It was God's presence. Amen. It was God's presence that they noticed. They said, surely God's with them. Beloved, we need to see the presence of God in our midst. It would be a testimony to the Canaanites that God was with them because the miraculous was there. Would to God that people would look at faith assembly of God and say, God is with you. God is certainly among you. The testimony of his presence and his power is real and vital in your fellowship. We need a church, a community of faith that says, oh God, we desire for you to move in our midst. We desire your presence in our midst. And Lord, if you don't go with us, we won't go. They said, and according to Scripture, it says, they would see the hand of God. God's hand can be seen in our church. When we think about how God has spoken to us as, as a people of God, look what God has done in our past. Years ago, when the church was located on Market Street, with just a handful of people, if you would have pointed to that church and that fellowship of people, they would have said, that's inconsequential. But God, but God was with them. And by faith, they stepped out and believed the Lord. And then the church moved to Oak Avenue. It was miraculous that they were able to do that. And by faith, they trusted God and believed God and prayed and moved from there to Spackenkill Road. We have a history replete with the example of God's power and work in our midst. We ought to hand that down to generations. We ought to hand that down to those who come behind us. That's what God is talking about, the fear of God, that God is certainly among them. 
we want to encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. We know that God's Word never returns void. We've made it really simple. Visit buildinginfaithradio.com and click on today's date. Then you can share today's message on your Facebook page and Twitter feed, or even download a copy to share. Again, that's all available at buildinginfaithradio.com. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It is our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Joshua, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.